Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit robblack.com. Robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's talk money. June 27. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing in more. End of the month, half the year almost over. Um, pretty good year on the stock market. Saw a little bit of the action that I think we should see yesterday. We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, and when I say saw some action that I wanted to see, oh, I, um, I don't need the top seven tech stocks to lead the way. They've already done it. It's time to pass the baton. I know it's kind of cliche. Uh, will it happen? Probably not. But it would be nice if it went that way. It won't go that way, but it'd be nice if it went that way. You got to figure out what I'm trying to say there, right? There's more value in small cap and in mid cap and in regional banks than there is right now in the value side of tech. Now, again, long term, I still like the tech. Not saying that I don't, so don't put words in my mouth. Okay, let's move forward. Um, I always like to start with tomorrow, then look at business activities days and some headline news as well. Yesterday, the NASDAQ was down 1.1%. The S&P 500 was down one half of 1%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down just fractions. That's okay. Um, pickleball injuries are on the rise. Listen to that. United Health Group said more people were using the healthcare system. And no one exactly knew what was up. UBS published a note yesterday with the hypothesis rising healthcare utilization could be fueled by pickleball injuries. That's funny, right? With the game's surge in popularity among seniors in particular, um, it's going to contribute $377 million in medical costs this year for procedures like hip replacements and knee surgeries. Who would have known, right? Uh, Nova Nordisk said yesterday it will seek FDA approval this year for a pill version of its pound shedding medication, Wagovi, also known as Ozempic. After finding that an oral alternative was just as effective as the injectable, we talked a little bit about that yesterday. That leaves Pfizer and Lee Lilly, the maker of Moderno, trailing a bit behind as the three drug makers compete for the biggest slice of the fast growing industry that could reach $100 billion by the end of the decade. Pfizer CEO has estimated that an obesity pill could rake in $10 billion per year for the company that makes it. What else do we have to hit? Uh, the Wagner boss says he wasn't trying to oust Putin. Putin's still very, very mad. That was a wild scene Saturday um, where you're like, this is like a movie. Except for it wasn't a movie. And his first public speech since the, the mutiny over the weekend led by Prigozhin. Uh, whose paramilitary Wagner group had been fighting in Ukraine but turned on Russia, saying that their leaders uh, were failing the uh, his men in the war. Uh, Putin called the rebellions organized traitors and said Wagner soldiers could fight with Russian military, go home, or move to Belarus. Ryan Reynolds' business empire expands into the F1. What can this man not do? He is really savvy at marketing booze, mobile phones, and soccer. Now the Deadpool star is moving into and buying a 24% of the Alpine Formula One team for $218 million. Um, Netflix helped raise the profile in the United States with Formula One Drive to Survive. All good, interesting stuff. Big storms in the Southwest yesterday. 
um, to the point uh, 400,000 people are without power. And if you were looking to fly over 7,800 flights were delayed or canceled yesterday, again, um, some of these storms are pummeling. We're not getting a break from the weather anytime soon. More than uh, 90 high temperature records are likely to be broken this week across the south. That's hot. Let me tell you, that's hot. Not like um, Paris Hilton. That's hot. But kind of like the weather. That's hot. Second quarter is not over yet, but the end is near for the month of July. That means the stock market is apt to be influenced by rebalancing dynamics. Um, which is okay. Rebalancing is a thing. It happens at the end of the quarter. To put simply, if a mutual fund was not in Tesla and Tesla went up 100% in the last three months, sometimes they'll buy at the last end of the month to make it look like they were in it to their clients. That's the simple way of thinking about it. An interesting undercurrent is an Invesco S&P 500 equal weight uh, ETF, the Russell 2000, the S&P 400 mid cap, which have not been leaders in the second quarter, outperform and it ended the session with modest gains yesterday. The Vanguard mega cap growth ETF was 1.3% lower. So yesterday, mega cap underperformed. Some of the areas that should outperform or catch up outperformed, and it was nice. Um, currently, um, we're doing okay today. Mega cap stocks are back in the position of relative strength. Alphabet is an exception day as it grapples with the Bernstein downgrade to market perform on the heels of a UBS downgrade yesterday to neutral. And again, it feels like the big tech boys have done their job and now analysts are getting savvy to it. This really could help small cap and mid cap stocks do well because of the trillions of dollars invested in mega cap tech. As it comes out, people will go, hmm, where do I put these trillions of dollars? And that can move small caps and mid caps a little bit easier. Walgreens Boot Alliance is rolling over because of disappointing third quarter earnings results and full year guidance that the company blamed in part on shifting U.S. consumer spending with heightened macro pressures. Shares are down 8.6%. Basically, what I just said. Walgreens said the consumer's uh, spending less. Dun, 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 recession. Delta Airlines sounded a much different tone yesterday, having raised its second quarter earnings share outlook above consensus expectations, saying this summer travel season is stronger than expected and that the second quarter will be the highest second quarter earnings in their history. So Walgreens saying the consumer's weakening, Delta saying the consumer's flying. The durable good orders report for May helped uh, this morning. It was stronger than expected. Total durable good orders were up 1.7% month over month. Durable goods are things like refrigerators, things that we need to keep around for more than a month. If you exclude transportation from durable good orders, it increased six tenths of a percent month over month, following a downwardly revised six tenths of a percent decline in April. So, little sign of life, not enough to get excited about. Later today, we're going to get the June consumer confidence and May home sales. That's uh, just came out just a minute ago, but um, I don't have time to read on fly. So I'll get to that maybe next break. Uh, what else do we have out there? Google gave up on smart glasses. Multiple people familiar with its iris augmented reality project told 
Um, reporters yesterday that Google killed it amid layoffs and reshuffling. Now Google is focusing on AR headsets instead, similar to Samsung's. Elsewhere, what else do we have? The tech bro thing still continues to be evolving. They're buffing up now. Cage fight. We used to actually have jokes on MTV. Um, celebrity cage fights, those little claymation things where Bill Gates and Steve Jobs and Larry Page fought each other. Uh, now it's Jeff Buff Bezos and Mark Jiu-Jitsu Zuckerberg. Um, it seems silly to me, but I call it peak tech bro. Dozen of YouTubers shared how much they make per month. Depends on views, audience, location, and more. Their monthly incomes range from 82 bucks to $83,000. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Need a referral to a CFP? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for the show. My goal is to give you a platform talking about investing. Some areas I will admit I don't know a lot about. Very, very few. But I also won't talk about things that I know a lot about. I don't do a lot of segments on biotech because I don't know a lot of science. Do I think biotech should be part of your portfolio? I do. 5%. Give or take, depending on you. Um, I think what's happening in biotech is pretty cool. Whether it's hair on my head, erectile dysfunction, losing fat, thinning my blood, um, fixing my nerve endings. I think that's all very cool stuff. And I don't know the difference between a good scientist and a bad scientist. Therefore, I say 5% in an ETF is a great way to go. If you try to do biotech and you're not a scientist, you're going to look pretty stupid more often than not. It's probably one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in investing. When I bought a company called Cryomedical Sciences that froze um, prostate cancers. and But it was just incredibly um, – with doctors, what I've learned is it's not how many times they use it. It's not if they use it once. It's how many times they use it after once. So whether it's pills like uh, uh, Viagra, which was the most – Represcribed drug in the history of following drugs where people got and said, I need another round of that. Same idea goes with medical devices and with biotech companies. It's not if you get the breakthrough, it's if the breakthrough sticks. Um, just something out there. There's something out there. Uh, you know, that's my opinion. Um, you might need to get your own Costco membership. Uh, the Warehouse Club has taken a page out of Netflix book and cracked down on people sharing membership cards. That's pretty interesting. That's one that hasn't crossed my um, desk until today. Costco says more shoppers have been improperly sharing membership cards to use at self-checkout. In response, the company is enforcing a Netflix-style crackdown on unauthorized users. Employees at self-checkout are increasingly asking shoppers to show a member card with their photo. Interesting, right? It's working for Netflix. Take a look at the shares. Uh, let's move forward, shall we? Home prices just came out. Now, homes are important. Um, I'm not going to say it's the end-all, be-all part of the show. 
I own homes. I have no problem with real estate. I own stocks. I have no problems with stocks. I'm not one of those people like, oh, the only thing I'm ever going to do is go after California real estate. I've known more people go bankrupt in real estate than I have in stocks. Home prices in April were one half a percent higher month to month. Prices are now just 2.4% below their June 2022 peak. So if you're expecting a big drop in home prices, uh -uh, not happening. No inventory. If we had plenty of inventory, I think houses would be down 10, 15% over a three-year period. Like they historically uh, pull back. Home prices peaked last June. Home prices in April were still down two-tenths of a percent compared with April of 2022. This is the Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, which is my favorite home price index. I like how it breaks down regions in funny ways. Um, they look at 20 of the top cities in the United States, and you can see some de- definite trends. Miami, Chicago, and Atlanta still seeing big gains. Miami up 5.2%, Chicago up 4.1%, Atlanta up 35 um, versus a year ago, price declines were larger in April than in March. Cities like Boston, San Francisco, Cleveland showed slight increases. If I were trying to make a case that the decline in home prices that began in June 2022 had definitely ended in January of 2023, um, this data would, would say my argument. It would say it's done. Housing recession over. I, I think you could say the same thing about tech stocks right now, big tech stocks. Um, buyers are still out in force, even though mortgages are above 6%, but they're coming up against extremely low inventory. So the high mortgage rate would be a, a deal breaker, a value sucker. You could only afford a monthly payment in my head. The average American doesn't go, you know, well, if rates go to 3.5%, well, I'm going to certainly buy what you do is you say, I could afford $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, $6,000 a month. Whatever you could afford on a monthly payment, you say, that's what I can afford. And when interest rates moved from 2.5% on 30-year mortgages to 6.5%, people could afford less because of that 30-year fixed price. Home price trends are kind of in a tug of war between stretched buyer budgets and limited inventory. With high mortgage rates keeping one in seven homeowners from selling, New listings have lagged far behind. Now, the people who are refusing to sell because they don't want to lose that low-cost mortgage, at some point in time, they're going to go, you know, I really wanted to sell in 2023, but I didn't. Now my kitchen's looking a little, I'm going to do a upgrade. Or they go to Home Depot or they go to Lowe's. That should be good for those retail stocks. So I'm not saying housing is off to the market, off to the races. It's very interesting. Oh, you know what's very, very interesting is um, selling your house with the MLS. There's a big lawsuit going on right now against um, realtors. And listing agents must agree that money from the sale will follow the prescribed serpentine path in an MLS listing. There's two multi-billion dollar lawsuits, Sitzer versus the NAR, National Association of Realtors, also known as NAR, and Moral versus NAR. They threatened up in the whole industry, in the whole system. The lawsuits are finally coming to a head after simmering for several years. If the plaintiffs succeed, they could rewrite the rules of how agents get paid, take out the silly 3% buy, 3% sell commission, and let it go to a free market. 
that would save consumers as much as 20 to 30 billion dollars a year. I think decoupling, you can make a case for decoupling uh, those commissions and how the system kind of uh, is stacked against the average person. An MLS listing, in theory, helps bring in more buyers and sellers. Um, agents collectively refer to the MLS as actually a web of roughly 600 independent local databases around the country. Nearly 97% of these MLSs are owned or operated by local realtor associations. The reach of the MLS is incredibly powerful. Nearly 86% of sellers last year listed their properties on the databases. In exchange for this access, NAR requires sellers who list on the MLS to agree to the cooperative compensation rule, the expectation that a seller will pay a commission to the buyer's agent. It is pretty early 1900s. It's, I look at our education system in the United States and I go, you know, kindergarten is kind of the same as it was on Little House on the Prairie. I think maybe we need to update how we uh, educate our kids. I think the way we sell and buy homes is really an outdated system. It's broken and um, it hurts the economy. You can find me. I, I know a lot of realtors are really mad at, from you saying that, but that's okay. Ten. You don't know where I live. Oh, maybe you do because it was MLS listed. You can find me at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. I do this daily. I'm dedicated to getting you to retirement. If you listen, I promise there'll be a thing or two every day that helps you a little bit. Internet banks forego branches in favor of operating fully online. I'm okay with internet banks. This is something you have to get used to. It's something you have to feel comfortable with. Some people are not comfortable with it. They tend to offer higher yields and lower fees than brick and mortar banks. Thanks to lower overhead costs. Now for the record, I have Bank of America, but I also have most of my savings that I use uh, to fund my lifestyle in an internet bank because I work with EP Wealth. EP Wealth is, I'm really, really proud of. Um, I'm interviewing the CEO and the chairman today. And one of the things I'm going to talk to them about is all the great services they've put in place for clients. Um, We have one called Flourish. That's an online financial bank. And um, I really like the, the interface. I really like the security I really like the yield on my cash. Um, that's one of the perks of working with a CFP is they have access to tools and services that you, the average retail investor, do not have access to. It's pretty weird because like Fidelity and Vanguard could offer many of these services, but they don't. Some, but not all. Um. <clears throat> Or they could at least make relationships with firms that do. Axos Bank is a bank that I would consider using online bank if I were not with Flourish through EP. Axos has specialized accounts for teens and seniors. They have a high yield option. They offer free checking accounts to fit any almost any need. They have reward checking, uh, reward checkings, uh, checking account savings. How do I say that? Rewards checking yields. Up to 3.3% for those who meet the certain requirements. Um, they have a sense checking. They have rewards checking. They piece together a total yield based on which of several requirements the account holder meets. 
Axos is spelled A-X-O-S, A-X-O-S. Um, I was doing some research on best online banks and to me, they came up as really, really nice. They have unlimited reimbursement of domestic out of network ATM fees. Um, and I think that their perks feel very, uh, generous. So it's A-X-O-S. Let's move forward. Ron Barron, billionaire. Another billionaire was killed yesterday. Yesterday, a guy at a uh, Colorado racetrack billionaire crashed in the wall. 70 years old. <laughs> it's a really weird conversation to have with your kids. Um, I told my child yesterday, he was asking about um, the sub that went down to the Titanic. And he said, is that irony that they were going to see a shipwreck and they became shipwrecked? That is irony. But tragic as it is, two tragedies sitting right next to each other at the bottom of the ocean. Billionaire investor Ron Barron says inflation will propel major stock gains in the coming decades. You are going to want to hear this. The billionaire investor Ron Barron was on CNBC yesterday. He said the Dow could surpass 900,000 in 50 years. Now, hold on. Hold your boots. The Dow's at 33,000. 839. So let's just be generous and call it 34,000. Or if you want me to do simple math for you, 33,000. Now, if it doubles every seven years, 33 would become 66. In 14, that'd become 120. In 21 years, that would be 240. In 28 years, that would be, yep, 500,000. So he's not insane. But he said 900,000, but he said that in 50 years. So again, he's right. Now, who else said this? Good friend of mine, Neil Hennessy. He uh, lives in Marin. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met and one of the most generous. It's not just good to be wealthy. You also have to be smart. And if you could be generous on top of that, it's lovely. But Ron Barron, who owns the Barron Capital, he's the CEO. He talked about the increasingly bearish sentiment in the market and investors fretting over a potential recession, higher interest rates, and geopolitical headwinds. Despite those risks, he says they're irrelevant to the overall trajectory of the market, which has been moving upward for most of the past half century. Despite wars, recessions, pandemics over the last few decades, he estimated stocks were 34 times their value in 1970. Economic growth also soared during that period, with GDP notching $26 trillion last quarter, up from $1 trillion in 1970. He's just giving out the frickin' frackin' numbers. He said economic growth in the United States would continue to accelerate, blowing past 7% in the next 50 years. His quote was, I expect inflation to be as it always has been, as it, it always has been in every single democracy that's ever existed, 4 to 5% a year. This guy's a smart guy. I'm not telling you to turn me off and turn him on, but if you wanted to for a day, I'd be fine with that. He says inflation has always been about 4 to 5% a year. Typically, we want to say on this show, it runs 2 to 4%, but depending on what you're looking at, is it wage inflation? Is it food inflation? Is it car price inflation? Is it home price inflation? This means that you're going to have to have 35 times your money over the next 50 years. 
This means that the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is now at 34,000, will be 900,000. He later added, assuming growth notched at least 7%, which is its historical norm. Pretty wild, huh? Now, he says all of these higher prices lead to higher corporate earnings. So if a Coca-Cola was 25 cents in 1970 and it's $2.25 or at a bar, six bucks, he says Coca-Cola is making a lot more money now than they were 25 years ago on that one soda. He's not wrong. You know, we were just talking about real estate agents getting 3% on the buy, 3% on the sell in commissions. They've done pretty well to the point where if you sell one house a year, you've done okay. You sell 10 and you're, you're, you're bloody rich. I think Ron Marin's a pretty smart guy. Right now, investors are pricing a 72% chance the Fed will raise rates another 25 basis points at the July meeting. That move would lift the Fed funds rate target to five and a quarter to five and a half percent, the highest rate since 2007. Not the end of the world. Ron Barron says he thinks everything's going to be twice as expensive in 14 to 15 years. Maybe it'll go a little bit lower, but it's not going to stay lower. A pretty smart guy. And those numbers are eye opening because Neil Hennessy, you know, I forgot to mention him. Um, he was on, it's on CNBC with Maria Bartiromo, and he's one of those people that I have Google alerts set on. So anytime he's going to be somewhere, I hear about it, or a speech, I hear about it, or he once said, Maria, when Maria Bartiromo was on CNBC, I think the Dow Jones Industrial Hour is going to 50,000 by the year 20, 28. And she, she was just incredible. She's just, wow, that's amazing. Like, really, whoa. That's that's such a big number. He goes, nope. Just doing what I historically knows, Maria. He's got a really, he's got a really, um, Phil, um, Dr. Phil accent. It's hilarious because he also kind of looks a little bit like Dr. Phil. Um, he's just a very matter-of-fact speaker. And he's one of my favorite people on the whole entire planet. Um, I got a friend to get a job interview um, with him, and he was so generous. Uh, I love people who do that. Anyhow, and anyway, let's move forward. The markets are all in the green today. Um, We're still looking for a recession later this year. But is it more of a 2024 thing or a 2023 thing? The first half of 2023 comes to a close on Friday. At the beginning of the year, most of us in this industry were saying back half the year, maybe third quarter recession will start, maybe fourth quarter. Instead, we've been treated to a stock market rally. The first half has been accentuated by AI hype, a pause in the Fed rate hikes, a cool down in inflation, growing optimism that a seemingly inevitable recession may be forestalled and or turned into a soft landing. I feel that we are going sector through sector in a rolling correction, followed by a rolling expansion. And it's not all happening in one down swoop in the market or one big pop in the economy. Uh, And I'm okay with that. The Fed began tightening for 18 months. And it's cyclical credit sensitive areas of the economy that have shown improvement of late housing and autos. People are always spending money on their cars and homes, but because these are large purchases, most consumers are financing these expenses. 
when the economy is slowing down or or on the verge of doing so, you'd expect these categories to be very credit sensitive, to be slowing, and it's the opposite today. Confidence amongst U.S. home builders is on the rise, and again, they're very credit sensitive. Auto sales in May rose nearly 20%, and again, they're very credit sensitive, and yet they're expanding. 30. I do my best for you people. I really, really enjoy this. Um, if you need a referral to a CFP, they offer services that are not available for most retail investors. You can find a good CFP by asking me because I work for one, EP Wealth. You can drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. And I can show you everything that they do. It's pretty darn cool. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. I try to see both sides of a story. I try to be fair. I have a family member who's a judge. And um, my father did a goofy thing when we were children. He would make us debate at the dinner table, or probably more after dinner. And it could be on taxing people versus not taxing people. And you were assigned to take the other argument the next day. So if you were pro-life one day, you had to be, you had to take the other stand. If you were, you know, um, Republican take on housing versus a Democrat's take on housing. He tried to think us, make us to be thinkers who were fair. Um, it's interesting, but I try to have that. There's a big story out today that tenants in the Bay Area are things are about to change. The three year ban on evictions, which kept people housed, um, is ending in a lot of counties now. Oakland, San Francisco and Berkeley, all places where rents and rates of homelessness are high. In Oakland and surrounding Alameda County, small property landlords staged protest earlier this year, demanding an end to the moratorium, saying, look, some people haven't paid us $60,000 in rent, trashed our places, and we want to kick them out. I get the side of the landlord. Also, I get the side of the tenant. Um, the landlords are saying, you know, it's not fair that you say if they've had financial hardship, all they have to do is raise their hand and say they have had hardships without proving it. I get back rent. Um, it would probably stop me from being a landlord in the Bay Area because it's renter friendly. The laws are. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, big corporations will step in and do it if I don't. And that's a bad thing for the small person who wants to rent. I once made the mistake in North Carolina of renting my home to someone who had really, really bad credit. And my credit and my uh, rental agency said, you know, I don't know. They said it in a Southern accent. I don't know, Rob. Uh, his credit's okay. And he's got a good job, but her credit's awful. I was like, I was once young and I once had some bad credit. Let's rent to him. And sure enough, uh, they broke up like a week later <laughs> and didn't pay the bills and when they were finally out uh, because I got her father involved. Um, there was like fecal matter on my walls. Pretty gross, right? Warren Buffett, the world's sixth richest man, just donated billions more in Berkshire Hathaway stock. 
This week, he donated $4.6 billion of stock from Berkshire Hathaway, extending his long-running tradition of summer gifts. Just how much has he given to philanthropy? Since 2006, he's given away $51.5 billion. Even after giving away tens of billions, his net worth is still over $100 billion. It's more than twice as rich as it was 17 years ago, thanks to a 450% increase in Berkshire Hathaway shares. The dude is trying to give away all his money in his lifetime. He wants to give away 99% of his wealth. And his stock performance is outperforming his ability to give it away. For the record, I think Berkshire Hathaway is heavily tied to shares of Apple. It's their largest holding. Not a coincidence that their shares were within 30 cents or 45 cents of their all-time high today. And Warren Buffett's given away $44.6 billion this week. And he's given away $51 billion so far. Struggling EV maker Lordstown Motors filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Can't all be Tesla is what I have to say on that one. We can't all be Tesla. Two, three years ago, everyone wanted to be Tesla and companies were coming out left and right. And it didn't work out that way. Um, interesting. This is this one's going to be you're going to go interesting, Rob. I love how, they, how you're first and foremost, Bitcoin could have a big run coming up as big financial institutions are saying, you know what? We should have some options for Bitcoin just in case our wealthy clients want it. That legitimizes everything a little bit more. Even though the SEC is not a big fan of Bitcoin, big money saying, look, we're going to open up uh, some services for people who want Bitcoin. And in a truly weird pitch, uh, there's a Bitcoin ETF now that is tied towards volatility of, of, of the coin, which is what the SEC hates about it. And yet they just approved an ETF tied towards volatility of Bitcoin. That's wild. Okay, now here's the wild story of the day. Um, ChargePoint stock is getting a jolt today. It said it too is going to switch to the chargers that are similar to Tesla or Tesla's charging standard. So Ford's done it, GM's done it. Others have done it. Um, in the United States, basically, it's going to be a Tesla charger station standard. Not so much in Europe. Now, there were some companies like ChargePoint that uh, you had to have an adapter if you wanted to charge a Tesla. So Tesla looks like they're going to be the de facto gas station for, of electric vehicles. And then... The EV stock charging stocks went all went down, 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 down. Now, interestingly, um, ChargePoint comes out today and says, we're actually going to re uh, reconfigure all of our chargers to have that uh, Tesla wand. And if you want to use the old style system, you're going to have to get a converter from Tesla wand to the old style system. So ChargePoint's up today. And to me, it, it was like a week ago. Death to all charging companies not named Tesla. So for the record, I now see Tesla as an electric vehicle maker, as well as a separate, completely separate business of being a, an electric vehicle, uh, an electric battery maker, a solar panel maker, solar storage provider. I see those as all separate businesses. But now I also see them as an electric vehicle charging station. And if they ever wanted to split up the business, I think all of them have an opportunity to do uh, well. I'm not saying they all would do well, but they'll have the opportunity. Hey, it's a good day on Wall Street. Um, 
we're doing okay. We're closing out the month of June and the best first half ever on the NASDAQ. Keep that in mind. Um, Bulls and bears dominate Wall Street, but pigs do get slaughtered. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you, you should look at what you have every now and then and figure out what you should do. Don't get caught up in your ways. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com.